0: Your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right. So like I said at the top of the show, I am so happy to welcome from Locked On Penguins, Hunter Hodes. Welcome, Hunter.
0: Yes, thank you for having me. This is probably the first time I've ever gone on a Flyers podcast. Now I'm just mainly messing around, though. But <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to be here to touch on talk about uh, both rival teams.
1: Yeah, we haven't really thought about the Penguins in a little while, at least from my <laughs> end. And uh, I thought it'd be good to catch up and see what our cross-state rivals were up to. So I think just starting off. The Penguins had a really successful regular season, but then lost to the Islanders in the first round of the playoffs. Kind of once the dust settled, what were the biggest takeaways from last season?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one, I think it was honestly the only one from that series was the goaltending. Um, It was always inconsistent during the regular season. A lot of highs, a lot of lows. It was just they got the really bad lows. Um, in the playoffs, especially after outplaying the Islanders, um, in four and a half to probably five of those six games, I would say. Uh, yeah, I would say, um, the Penguins were just a better team. You know, you, you, anyone just uses the eye test, looks at the underlying numbers. Um, it wasn't really close. You know, they just got screwed by Tristan Jari playing probably the worst hockey of his career. Um, and, and I really felt bad for all the players and the coaching staff because they gave it their all. And that series, you know, that was nothing like the 2019 series where Pittsburgh was just really bad defensively and was giving up odd man rushes basically every shift and couldn't score to save their lives. I mean, they were getting quality chances every game. It's just, you know, goaltending is always a great equalizer in any series. Elias Sorokin was that for the Islanders. Tristan Jari was not that for the Penguins. And then, you know, I really liked um, how, you know, if if Jim Rutherford were still in charge. Uh, I don't really think many people would be safe from what he was probably going to do to this roster. Um, I was pretty thankful that Ron Hextall was in charge because they really did not need a lot of changes. And I think he proved that this off season by bringing in a couple other players, shipping out a couple ones um, due to expansion. Um, and then, you know, I guess doubling down on the goalies again, but um, this time by getting rid of uh, the old goalie coach and bringing in someone in who can hopefully – Uh, transform Tristan Jari's game a little bit. So I think that was the main takeaway from that series. Um, If they get even 9-10, 9-15 goaltending, they're going on to play Boston in round two, I think.
1: Yeah, I I thought that was the case as well. It just seemed like, first off, the Islanders are extremely irritating to play. As as we found out, both our teams found out last season, uh, playing them eight times, never wanted to see them come up on the schedule so I can see how they would be an especially frustrating playoff opponent to play in a, in a series. You yeah. mentioned, Oh, go yeah.
0: ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. Yeah. They, they are. It's very trots hockey. It's, it's, it's the modern day, I guess, New Jersey devils is what you want to call it. You know, I'm sorry, Trey, you know, I had to <laughs> say that here, but um, I think that's basically the way to describe them. You know, obviously they're well, well coached, good roster have some really good defensemen their goalies are really good it's just yeah playing them eight times you know I'd rather watch my water boil for pasta uh, than watch them play eight times in a season
1: (laughs) so you touched on the fact that the pens didn't make a ton of moves this Mm -hmm. offseason and that was purposefully so I think the biggest move just as an outside observer was them signing Brock McGinn but everything else, like you said, was kind of smaller, quieter moves. What did you think were the biggest needs this off season for the pens? And do you think they made the right moves to solve them?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the biggest thing, they needed some salary cap space. I, I think they accomplished that at the start. I'm sure they don't have a lot of space right now, but you know, they were able to basically get a cheaper Brandon Tanev in Brock McGinn for one, not as much term and two, not as much money. Um, I think that was a really good move. I, I, some people are kind of a little upset that it was 40 years. I mean, that, that's what the price you pay on the free agent market, people. I really don't um, – it's, it's at least it's not five to six years like the Barkley-Goudreau contract and then the T- Brandon Tanev contract. Uh, for as much good as he did here, Tanev, that, that contract was just for too much money and too much term. I, I did think they needed another goalie. I still kind of think that, but you know, this is the kind of thing I've arrived at now. Uh, Now that they have a new goalie coach and hopefully Andy Chiodo can work on some, a couple of kinks of Tristan Jari's game. If he's not playing that well, say by December, January, I'm sure Ron will go out, get a veteran goalie. I mean, Dallas has a really interesting situation on their hands with four goalies on there. Something's going to have to give, Um, I know Ben Bishop might be out for the start of the season, but then, then you still have three really good goalies there. So um, I did circle that as a need, but you know, I, I get. I think they want to try to prove that this is an outlier for Tristan Jari and that this is not going to happen again. It's definitely very risky as you near the end of Sydney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin's tenure here, as them being elite elite players. But you know, they're gonna roll with it. I, I just. I guess they didn't feel the need to upgrade in free agency just because a lot of those goalies were kind of stopgap options. Some goalies have injury problems. So I understood what Ron was doing with that, Um, but I still kind of had it as a little bit of a need. Um, I still think they are short of a top nine winger. That's just because I really think Jared McCann is a lot better than some people um, think he is. He's just, He's over a half a point per game player. Those players are very hard to replace. Now that said, I like Dayton Heinen. I think he can get back to those days that how he played in Boston. But if he doesn't, you know, you're going to have to go out and probably trade for another winger. And even if I I guess if he does as well, I still think they could use another forward to make this team deeper because as it stands right now, um, they are not as deep as they were this past season. Um, but I also think again, I'm just probably repeating myself at this point. Anyway, Um, I think Hextall could reward the team at the deadline. Like he did with Jeff Carter. um, If they're playing well and add another dangerous floor to the lineup and make them even deeper than they already are. I think for the defense, they're fine. You can just put Chad Ruedel in there at number six, Cody Cece loved what he did, but you know, Ken Holland's going to Ken Holland himself and do another bad contract. So that's not really too surprising, but um, I was fine with the moves and, I, and I'm fine with what they've accomplished that that being said you know just to wrap this up um, I still think they are another forward short and that the goaltending does not improve um, they will have to go out and get someone I think during the season
1: yeah that sounds vaguely familiar from a Flyers perspective in <laughs> terms of being maybe short one forward and the goaltending has to step up but another thing, obviously, we have in common is Ron Hextall. So how are you feeling about the Ron Hextall era so far? And kind of what's the general temperature confidence level in his ability to keep the pens in cup contention? It is It is
0: such a... You cannot contrast Jim Rutherford and Ron Hextall enough. Yeah, You have one guy who says what he's going to do to the media, then does it, and then continues to say stuff to the media. And then you have Ron Hextall, who's just... Very coy, very quiet about what he says, keeps the full plan to himself, and then just uh, you know accomplishes that plan and then still doesn't tell anyone about it, even when he speaks to the media. It's so different. I personally like what he's done. This team never really needed sweeping changes after that series. We all know what happened. We all saw it. They needed a couple tweaks around the edges. I think they did that. Maybe they'll need another goalie during the offseason. You know, Hextall did not want to go into the free agent market and overpay for one. I understand it. But, you know, he's not going to make a panic move or make a panic signing for the sake of doing that. And I think that was a welcome change that was needed for the Penguins. You can't have Jim Rutherford out here, you know, making 10,000 trades in offseason to basically cover up for previous mistakes and throw stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. It's just that that's not going to work anymore. You know, Hexel is going to be more calculated, more, I I guess, you. what's the word I'm looking for here? I I guess calculated is probably the word I'm looking for here, you know, with his approach. And, you know, I don't know if Brian Burke is really going to step in the way that much. It seems like he's just kind of being um, the mouthpiece to the media and Ron is just going to do his thing. But I'm all for it. I, I understand people are saying that he's been too patient. He hasn't done enough. Um, I I disagree with those people. I think the two signings that he made though are fine. Sure. The Jared McCann trade is a bit frustrating because they should have protected him in expansion. Um, but I still think that there is more to be done. There's still two more, like what, almost, I think closer to a month and a half, uh, to the regular season. There's still time to do stuff. In this offseason, especially trades wise, I'm not sure if he's done, but I- I'm fine with this patient approach. You know, I know that was the biggest thing I, I read from Flyers fans and Flyers writers when Ron Hextall is hired is that, you know, he's very patient. He's not going to do much even after uh, his team loses in the playoffs. And, you know, and with how they went out this season, I- I'm fine with it. And I'm fine with how um, he just he speaks to the media and how he keeps his plan um, very tight. Before we do get back to our crossover episode with Rachel from Locked On Flyers, we do have to touch on betonline.ag. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. You can get all the latest updated odds, props, and contests, including on. BetOnline's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. You can make a bet on Thursday, September 9th between Tampa Bay and Dallas. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL 100 from football, basketball, boxing right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts with a promo code locked on.
1: Yeah, that is definitely true about Hexall. He keeps everything close to the vest on that. And he also is very draft and develop from within focus. So he's only going to use those external moves to tweak what he's, he's doing. And I know the pens are in a slightly different situation as far as prospects go, but I think that that's the approach you're going to see from him, you know, for the foreseeable future, unless something crazy happens, which I don't see happening,
0: but yeah, he's, he's always been the type I think to build, you know, he's even, I think he even talked about it in his opening press conference that he knows the system is very barren Jim Rutherford traded picks, and I'm not really going to fault him for that. You know, when you're in win-now mode and you have two of the best players to ever play the game, one of them arguably a top-five player to ever play the game, um, you go all-in every year and not care what happens after. Banners hang forever. You're going to have to replenish this at some point. I think Hextall is going to be the one um, to obviously do that. Uh, I I think he can get them in contention again. I think he started that this offseason, but they're going to have some major decisions to make after this all season. I think they're going to extend Gino and Latang. They both have this last year left on their contracts. I think they should be starting contract talks with them. I think any day now, I think Hextall said he was hoping to do it mid to late August. We've arrived there. So we have to see if they've started those talks. They ha- haven't been reported yet. I haven't heard anything. So, um, but they still have a lot of free agents coming off the books next season. So um, it, it'll be interesting. I, I like what he's done so far. I think they are still a contender, but you know, how they stack up against Boston or Tampa Bay or a couple other teams, I think they're a tier below those um,
1: as of right now. So is there anybody on the Pens roster right now that maybe isn't one of the bigger names that you think is due for a breakout season?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think this is, this is the, I, I honestly think, you know, our our NJB, our nice Jewish boy, Jason Zucker, of course, so I love. I lo- I love to call him that because he's just fantastic. Um, I really think he's in line for a big breakout season. Uh, he just he was so great that first year when he came over from Minnesota. Then had a lot of struggles last season, um, and that just I don't think he was himself. I think he was just pushing it a lot for last season, and you could tell his confidence was a bit shaken. He wasn't shooting when he when he normally was. He was almost a point per game player in twenty. Um, what was it? Yet? Almost a point per game player, excuse me, in, uh, before the pause. Um, and then, you know, in the playoffs was one of their best players. And then last year just was not putting it all together. He makes a ton of money. Um, this is the year that I think he really needs to show people that um, he's worth that contract because he hasn't thus far. And, you know, I would have made that trade 10 out of 10 times because I thought he was worth that. But it's now time for him to really break out. I think if he has consistent line mates and if Evgeny Malkin comes back and they play well, um, that's where I would have him though. I also could see him playing with Jeff Carter full time. Uh, I, I really think he's in line for a big breakout season and that would actually solve, um, a, a big problem. I, I I guess I wouldn't say a problem, but I guess a big hole within the roster. Cause you know, again, right now they're still down a four, but if Zucker is back to that, you know, 20 goal, 25 assist point pace and Danton Heinen's playing really well and Jake Gensel's playing well and those are your three left wings you may not even have to go out in the deadline and acquire another left winger so um, that is a player that I'm really looking at for this season um, one of my buddies um, Danny Shirey of the Penns blog wrote about maybe putting Zucker on Crosby's line full time I would 100% support that because the underlying numbers have been great while they but while he's been on Sid's line but I think I'm really looking forward to him uh, getting his big breakout season with Pittsburgh like we all know he can
1: yeah Zucker is one of my favorite players mm-hmm. on the pens. I think I I always allow myself to be a fan <laughs> of one or two guys on the pens, regardless of the rivalry. And he is definitely my personal favorite. And he and Carly are really fun off the ice as well. So um, I appreciate that as a choice.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's great off the ice. His family's incredible and yeah you know, that's i think that's honestly another one of the big reasons i'm rooting for him too It's just because he seems like such a down-to-earth person um and he, he's played really well in spurts but now it's just him putting it together and being consistent and i really think he can be that player for them this season so i'm really excited to see um what he can do
1: so switching gears to looking at kind of this upcoming season overall i know with the divisional realignment now we're kind of back to the normal setup and we've got to play carolina and columbus again Mm -hmm. do you have any early predictions on 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 how this is going to play out and how the standings might look
0: so yeah i think originally at the start i was like okay you know the metro is going to be one of the best divisions um, in hockey again but then when i really look at it There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, I guess, middling teams in there, but then you also have your contenders as well. Obviously, you said it best, Carolina, they're going to be a contender to win the division, if not uh, win it all, unless their goaltending bottoms out. But, you know, you have them. I think the Penguins are going to be closer to the top. Washington is not going to go away quietly, especially with Alex Ovechkin's new contract. Um, But after that, you know, then you have your bad teams, right? You know, New Jersey, sure, they made some nice signings. Dougie Hamilton, they got um, Graves from uh, Columbus, Colorado, excuse me. Uh, I think got Jonathan Bernier as a goalie as well to pair up with Mackenzie Blackwood. But I think there's still a few forwards and defensemen short where they're going to be a contender. Um, I don't like what the Rangers did this off season. They went all in on grip because Tom Wilson got inside their heads. Yes. My, my former general manager um, did basically had that happen to him as well. So penguins fans are, um, we are too accustomed to seeing that happen here with Tom Wilson, but um, obviously at Philadelphia, I think they're going to push for a playoff spot. I don't know if there'll be a contender to win the Metro, but um, with all the changes that Chuck Fletcher made, um, they're obviously going to be a big contender to get in the playoffs and do some damage Columbus. I think mean, they're going to be closer to the bottom because they're rebuilding. Um, I feel like I'm missing um, a couple teams right now. Oh, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. Of course I forget about the Islanders. So,
1: um, <laughs> We'd like th- to, but alas, yeah, we,
0: we would like to, but yeah, they, they will be at the top as well um, in this division. So I think those are honestly your biggest contenders. You know, you, it's, you know yeah carolina pittsburgh the islanders washington and then you know philadelphia i guess lumped in there as well but then you have you know your your middling teams you know the the rangers the devils the blue jackets um i don't i do not think those three teams will get in i I think at at the least you'll see four metro teams get in a case would certainly could be made for five unless the atlantic um puts in four as well but um it's gonna be interesting you know you, you 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 have a lot of the contenders, but you also have a lot of teams that it's just – it's hard to get a read on them. And I honestly think Philadelphia should be lumped in there as well because um, predicting how the Flyers will do every season I think is a fool's error because you either, they make the playoffs and then the next season they're out and then they make it when you think they're going to not make it and then the next season when you think they're going to make it, they don't make it. So I honestly don't even know what to expect with them anymore. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. My big question mark, I think, right now is Washington, because you never know when they're going to go off the cliff. And they seem to be holding on for dear life at the moment. And they've been able to maintain that level of play. But at a certain point, they just haven't made the moves to continue that and to get much younger. So... I don't know. We'll see. They are lucky with their goaltending situation. I think that it seems to have worked out for them, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. And I think that's where the flyers might have an opportunity to, to get in there, but we shall see how that plays out. But Mm -hmm. speaking of the rivalry and where we are, it's I feel really weird about it right now. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but because, cause partially of how last season was with a different divisional structure you know and like we've been talking about the islanders and how you know what's going on with the caps and then the rangers are acting weird i just feel like the division is odd right now in terms of the rivalry so how are you feeling about the flyers pens rivalry is it still there is it less intense than it used to be like how are people feeling at the other end of the state it's definitely less intense. You know, I
0: think, you know, I, 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 don't, I speak for probably a bunch of people on Penguins Twitter because I've seen them say this, that they consider Washington to be a bigger rival at this point um, than Philadelphia. And, you know, I, it's not surprising because, you know, we obviously we have, there's a lot of recent history with playing them in the playoffs a lot. I, I guess the games are just more intense when Pittsburgh plays Washington. I don't know if it's due solely to Tom Wilson or just, you know, the Ovechkin versus Sid, but, you know, the, the flyers pens rivalry – I mean, it's still there, but it's definitely, you know, not what it used to be. I think we've all tuned out the Crosby sucks chance just because it's just been like that for the last 16 years. And, you know, but I mean, I guess it's, I don't know if you're ever going to get back to, you know, Scott Hartnell basically getting the crowd riled up in that on that day in 2012 when the the bench is basically cleared and you have Dan Balsma and Tony Granato going at Peter Laviolette. I don't know if we'll ever get back to that point. And then of course uh, the crap show that was that 2012 series with all those penalties and goals. But um, there's just, there's not as, there's not the hatred is not there anymore. It's just, it's strictly, um, business I guess on the ice but I also think it's because a lot of the players have moved on you know Wayne Simmons isn't there anymore I touched on Scott Hartnell now Jacob borachek is not there you know Penguins fans can't make fun of him at, at all um it's mainly just Claude Giroux there's I mean there's not no one really there that just sparks that rivalry as much anymore you know Pittsburgh obviously they kept it the same with the, the big core but um the games on the ice, they're just, they're not what it used to be. And I think that's the biggest reason why Penguin fans um, just do not consider the Flyers their biggest rival anymore. Now, that can all change this season if, you know, things get ugly on the ice and, you know, the, the games are um, very competitive. I, I also think it has to do with the Penguins being um, really good the last 16 years in the flyers, I guess a a lot of seasons just kind of middling being there, not being a contender, especially, you know, from uh, 2015, 2016, 2017 onward. Um, I think that's also played a part in it um, as well when it comes to the rivalry.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I think I'm with you there that it, the temperature has certainly gone down a little bit, but I think as long as Drew and Crosby are both playing, there'll be something Mm -hmm. to it. But uh and it's kind of ironic thinking about 2012, which is for me probably a strong memory as well, and that Peter Laviolette is now with the caps. So yeah. it's uh yeah, it's definitely different than it used to be. But I think that there's still room for some intense feelings there.
0: Oh, there there absolutely can be. I mean, you just you, you don't really see, you know, I, I don't usually condone this anyway, you know, you you don't see like the two fan bases you know, going at each other on Twitter as much anymore. that's just, that's dialed down um, a whole lot. Now it's just sheets, wild stuff and uh, Crosby sex chance and whatever. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do agree. I think as long as you do have Sid and Giroux, um, there's always going to be a little bit of something. Now I think with the goalies, um, Penguins fans with Carver Hart, you know, Flyers fans, Tristan Jari, I think that's something that could develop a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's just the, the intensity and just the rivalry overall, uh, it, it's it, it's definitely not what it used to be. But I think at some point, um, it will get close to being that way again. I mean, it, it'll have to with how um, this rivalry has been over the years. I mean, it, it's had its ups and downs so many times, I feel like. So I'm sure it'll go um, back up again. And yes, yeah, that 2012, I remember that very vaguely as someone who was still in high school and saying a bunch of stuff to my TV that – um, I, I can't say.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was actually at Game Six that closed out the series, which was a lot of fun for me. Gotta say, so yeah, seeing nice. that Claude Giroux <laughs> shift was uh, pretty special.
0: Yeah, every, every time you know you see that on Twitter, that someone will just tweet out that picture, and it's just like, oh my goodness, like this is this is it.
1: <laughs> well, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you think Flyers fans should know about the Pens?
0: Um, honestly, I I don't really think so. You know, I'm excited to look forward uh, to the games this year. You know, I'm glad we don't have to play each other eight times again (laughs) next season. I'm glad it's down to four to five. But you know, I I am excited for these games. I, I always do. I always circle them on the schedule when the two teams play still, even though the rivalry is not where it used to be. It's always fun, especially uh play, p- playing in a packed house in philadelphia you know i i think the penguins and the fans it, they feed off that And i think you know the flyers and their fans feed off playing in pittsburgh as well considering the, all of that success that they had starting out ppg paints arena where i think they beat the penguins almost every time <laughs> when that new arena was built and now it's, it, it's gone back down a little bit but still um that was another one of the big parts of the rivalry um beforehand was just, you know, the Flyers would just come into Pittsburgh and basically just beat them every time right after Mellon Arena went down. So um, I'm looking forward to the games. I'm looking forward to see um, just how these two teams play each other this season.
1: Absolutely. Hunter, where can people find you out there on the internet? So, you know, my
0: Twitter is at Hunter Hodes. Um, If you don't know how to spell my last name, you know, H-O-D-I-E-S, the Locked On Penguins Twitter account is L O. Underscore Penguins, so you can find all the shows there. On my link tree, um, is right there as well. So you go go check out if you, if you are a Flyers fan and you want to listen to um, a rival host talk about your rival, um, I would absolutely love that. So you can go check out all the Penguins episodes there. <laughs> Excellent. We definitely can't go a full episode with not even just Locked On Penguins, but any Locked On NHL podcast without talking about Bilt Bar. They have many delicious flavors. There's always something for everyone. When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know some of the flavors well, you are missing out with cookies and cream, German chocolate, orange, strawberry, salted caramel, etc. Of course, my favorite is the cookies and cream. I mean, there's just no other flavor that tastes as good as that. If you haven't tried all of the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors uh, most of them have 17 to 18 grams of protein calories ranging from 130 to 180 only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of nut carbs and amazing flavors all tasty and all healthy you can go to built.com and use promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your first order that's promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at built.com Okay, so we are back here on this episode of Locked On Penguins. And of course, you know, Locked On Flyers for the first crossover between the two um, arch rivals in Pennsylvania. Now, I, I did want to ask, Rachel, you know, there's a lot of moves this offseason by Philadelphia. Chuck Fletcher said, you know, I'm going to make a lot of moves and the status quo uh, can't be like that. I want to basically change up the mix. And he did just that, moving out Jacob Voracek. Uh, But I do want to start with this move, which I think had a lot of people talking, especially uh, Penguins fans. And that is the trade for Rasmus Ristelainen. Makes a lot of money. The results have not been there. Um, What do you think Chuck Fletcher was looking for with that move? Was it just a change of scenery that he's hoping will benefit him? Or is it just he thinks there's a lot more to this player than what he showed in Buffalo?
1: Yeah. I think it's all of those things in, in general. I think that, you know, Buffalo has been such a tragedy over the past few years that you can say that Ristolainen has not performed up to potential, but there's also so much other bad stuff going on around that team that it's hard to definitively pin everything that was going on defensively with the Sabres on Ristolainen. And there are a couple upsides to Ristolainen's play that, Fletcher really thought the Flyers needed, and that is skill on the power play as well as the physicality defensively. That it is true that the Flyers were not as physical defensively this past year, and that especially. When they decided to sign Ryan Ellis for that top pairing role, they gave up Phil Myers, a second pairing defenseman. So obviously had to replace Phil Myers in the lineup and Mm -hmm. wanted to find someone that would balance out Travis Sanheim's play a little bit. And I think with Travis Sanheim being a really offensive minded defenseman and you know, makes a lot of those forward-looking plays to have somebody to handle the other side of things a little bit, but also be able to support Sanheim offensively. I think that's where they saw Ristolainen. Now, Ristolainen has not performed, as we just said. So, can he do <laughs> all those things? It is a giant question mark. Uh, but you know, you mentioned that there was a big list of things that Chuck Fletcher wanted to get done, and by God, he did them. So whether they'll turn out is is remains to be seen. But I think that given the skill set that Ristolainen has in theory, it could go very well or it could go disastrously. <laughs> it, it's
0: definitely a big risk, you know, that they, they gave up a first freaking round pick for him. So which obviously did not go over well with a lot of people on hockey Twitter. But you know, I think they're Chuck, if, if Chuck Fletcher proves everyone wrong, I'm sure he's going to be clowning everyone um every chance he can get but you know there was just I'm I'm excited to see what he can do you know I, I think a lot of Penguins fans are looking forward to it just because Sid has kind of ragdolled him every time the Penguins and Sabres have played so you know now that he's in Philly I think a lot of Penguins fans have just been looking forward to seeing how um that goes down again and I think some Penguins fans were even kind of hoping that Pittsburgh would get him I did I did not understand that logic personally just because I did not like his underlying numbers, but hey, you know, I have a crow on a lot of things and this would not be the first thing. Uh, Definitely that I would would eat crow, but I was wrong about Cody CC, of course, so look how that turned out. But, you know, a couple of the other moves, you know, fan favorite Jacob Voracek um, going to Columbus for Cam Atkinson. You know, gone are the days now where Penguins fans can um, just, I I guess, go, go at him a little bit, especially with that huge beard that he has um but, well they can
1: still go at him it'll just yeah. be on the blue jacket
0: yeah you know the, the, that's that's the big brother little brother rivalry for the penguins in case flyers fans do not know that you know the blue jackets like to think that they're like the biggest penguins rival um it's just every time the two team is playing it's just the big brother usually beating the little brother so um but what were your thoughts on that deal were you surprised to see him go or did you think that it was it was time to maybe make a change with that
1: Oh, it was pretty clear from the outset that either JVR or Voracek were going to go, if not both, this offseason. And Chuck Fletcher said as much, and especially when it came to Voracek, that prior to the expansion draft, I think they were trying to make a move to get Seattle to take him or Mm -hmm. make some other trade involving him, that they had basically come to a mutual agreement that there were no hard feelings. Everybody loves Jake Voracek. We've all loved his time on the Flyers. I personally have loved his time on the Flyers, but just given where the team is right now and the cap situation, that it was just time to go. So given the expansion draft where Seattle, I think, confounded everybody and they took Carson Twerinsky from the Flyers, which was a little bit of a surprise. That they just had to make a move. And one of the needs on Chuck Fletcher's list this offseason was a scoring winger. And mm-hmm. by God, Cam Atkinson is that guy. And he costs less than Jake Voracek. So I think it was a really smart move, actually, for both teams in that trade. And so we got, you know, a top forward who is a shoot first kind of guy in Cam Atkinson. And we're able to let Jacob Voracek go in, I think the best possible circumstances.
0: Yeah, it, it should be interesting to see what Atkinson brings to Philadelphia because um, he has gone down a bit, just counting stats-wise. You know, he, he did have a 41-goal season in 2019, um, 69 points, you know, I'm not going to make a joke about that. But um, then at the previous two seasons in Columbus, uh, 12 goals, 26 points, 15 goals, 34 points. Um, I understand he has gotten a bit older Um, Are are you concerned with him getting a bit older and his numbers are going down? Or do you think he can get back to being that, you know, 20, 25 goal player that he has been uh, for most of his career? Because um, during his peak years, he was probably one of the more underrated goal scorers, I thought, in the
1: NHL. Yeah, and I think that based on what we've seen so far, this trade has re-energized Cam Atkinson. He's been so enthusiastic about coming to Philly and they've used him in a lot of promotional material and he's friends with a bunch of the guys on the team already just from, you know, his college years and and all of that. And I think that there's a real strong potential that we will end up with a line of Joel Farabee and Kevin Hayes and Cam Atkinson. And so if you have, you know, Kevin Hayes coming back off an injury that he should be good to go now, that he should be back to where he was before Joel Farabee was one of our big standouts this past season. I think that could be a really dangerous line. And Cam Atkinson would fit really well in that.
0: I think, I think Farabee, you know, you said you liked um, Zucker on the Penguins. It's probably one of your favorite players. Joel Farabee, I think is one of my uh, favorite players that does play on the flyers that, you know, I think I, and a lot of other Penguins fans can handle um, saying that at least Uh, I've always liked his game, but yeah, I think him on a line with Atkinson potentially, or you, you as you say, Kevin Hayes as well, uh, that would be a dangerous sign, especially if Atkinson gets back to scoring 20 to 25 a, a, a year. Uh, I got a couple more for you, though. We can't go a segment without touching on Carter Hart because his last season was, I guess, a disaster, if you want to put it that way. Just His numbers went way down. I I, I don't know if it was just being overworked or his confidence was just not there, but um, he definitely did not have a good season. It's not what you want to see from someone um, in his second season. But you know, now that he's had a full off season, he potentially worked the Kings out of his game. He got a new contract. Are you concerned at all uh, for the current trajectory of Carter Hart, or or do you think that this was just basically um, a step in the wrong direction that he'll be back?
1: Yeah, I think it was a step in the wrong direction. I think if you look at the full history of his play, whether it was in junior hockey or in international play. He just has a really strong track record. And especially so after having a down game, he really is a guy that can pick himself back up real easily and just move forward. And I think that he's in a good state of mind right now and knows what he needs to work on. He's been doing a lot of training this summer on specific skills. And I just think he's got a really strong potential to recover and be that goaltender that I think everybody expected him to be. It is kind of funny just because him and Tristan Jari are such good friends and have trained together Mm -hmm. that, uh, they both kind of struggled a little bit this past year, but I I think they both have a potential to get back on the horse, so to speak. And that, you know, if it was like two or three years of not performing, I would be worried, but I, I think Carter Hart absolutely has the potential to bounce back.
0: And, and I think you you, and probably all the Flyers fans are hoping he does because the backup behind him has not had the best track record. So to speak these last few years, Martin Jones, of course, uh, was signed. Was, I think it was up to a one-year deal. If I'm not mistaken, uh, his numbers have tanked. Um, I understand it was with San Jose and, know, they've also kind of tanked as well, but um, I don't think he's a guy you want starting 40 to 45 games a season. I I just think that would be definitely a mistake. Yeah. I I would, if the Flyers are going to go anywhere this season and be a a threat to make the playoffs and go do some damage, uh, Carter Hart is going to have to be a big part of that. And now that leads me to my last question for you. Um, Where do you see the Flyers this year? I think there's a hard team to get a read on made a ton of changes. You know, we, obviously I, um, you touched on Ryan Ellis. I thought that was a fantastic move. I think he's one of the better, I think one of the more underrated defensemen in the league. And he was always, not, he was not talked about enough, I think, in Nashville. You know, obviously everyone talks about Matthias Ekholm and Roman Yossi, but not everyone talks about Ellis and how good he was offensively. So I really think that's going to be a big move as well. But, you know, as I said earlier, you know, predicting what the Flyers are going to do each season, Um, it's kind of a fool's era, but I'm going to put you on the spot right here. Just what, what do you expect from them this season after a disappointing campaign this last season?
1: You know, I think that it is going to be interesting because you're right, Chuck Fletcher made a ton of moves, but he checked off, I think, 90 95 percent of what he needed to accomplish this Mm -hmm. offseason and it's just a matter of are these particular moves the ones that are going to work (laughs) and it's also interesting because I think that there were enough changes that there's a new energy and there, there could be a fresh start for this team but also enough consistency with the lineup that it's not too much of a change that'll throw everything off kilter. And the question for me is, is this coaching staff going to retool their systems enough to make this group of guys work together? Well, because clearly what they were doing last season wasn't working, but there are enough new pieces now that they can retool the defensive structure a little bit. And with a little bit more physicality on their defense that they have now, they can make those adjustments and really be much stronger at that end of the ice. And they have some more offensive minded players that are going to look to shoot first instead of pass first, which I think was Mm. a big part of the flyers offensive struggles this past year. So again, I think that Chuck Fletcher, you know, he shot his shot <laughs> this off season, and <laughs> it's just—it is honestly—I don't think anybody could predict with certainty how this is going to play out. But the potential for success is—is is there? It, there's no doubt about it. It's just the right elements have to come together in order for it to work.
0: Yeah, I'll be interested to see what La and Biggio. Does this season change or maybe his system a little bit? You know, The biggest thing I read when he was the coach of the Rangers was that he was very stubborn and not changing a lot, which led to his demise there and how a lot of fans were just kind of sick of him. So I'll be curious to see uh, if he's learned his lesson from that and changes some of the things that failed him in New York uh, going into the season in Philadelphia where they obviously took a step back this past season as, and as well, you know, as for the rest of the coaching staff as well, which um, I believe they brought back everyone on that staff, if I'm not mistaken. So um, that should be interesting. Um, I, I'm excited um, again, for these teams to play, you know, as I, I said it earlier, I always circle the ones on the calendar, whether it's in Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, but um, th- you know, thank you so much for this crossover. I, I really appreciate it. You know, it, it's about time after, I think a year and a half of me personally doing this uh, podcast that we finally get to do a penguins flyers uh, crossover because it's been, it's been too long since we got to have um, some flyers talk on here. So everyone can catch up on um, what's going on across, um, of course the great state of Pennsylvania. So I really appreciate it. Uh, Where can can everyone find you um, on social media?
1: So I'm on Twitter at R Miriam, that's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. And you can find Locked on Flyers at Locked on Flyers.
0: Yeah. So um, if, if you all want to go listen to the Locked on Flyers podcast, you know, especially when um, they are going to be playing the Penguins. Uh, or just whenever you want, which I would suggest that um, as well. Uh, Definitely go check that out as Rachel does an incredible job. Also want to say as we end this episode, my thoughts and prayers go out to Jimmy Hayes as he passed away at the age of 31 this morning. Just absolutely devastated after reading that news. He played for multiple teams around the league and, of course, was a member of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins and also was on the Pittsburgh Penguins during a few preseason games and I think a couple regular season games um, as well. But my thoughts and prayers go out to him and all of his family and friends during this very difficult and heartbreaking time. But thank you all so much for listening to this one. And we will be back with another episode um, later this week.